This is Daily Devotions Best Of with Pastor Tim Dodson from JF Believers Church. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting jfbelievers.com. The book of Matthew opens to the sound of a 400-year silence. While certainly all of Scripture is for all of mankind, Matthew is a special message to seeking Jews. The book of Matthew is a Jewish gospel, the good news for God's chosen children, and as always, his adopted ones too. It was Matthew, or Levi the tax collector apostle, that was the author of this gospel and was likely the first of the gospel writers to pen his account. His seemingly overriding point was to establish that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Messiah to the Jewish nation. It was a gospel account by a Jew, about a Jew, for the Jews. Now, Scripture does not record one word that Matthew spoke. And while there's no doubt that he did indeed speak, perhaps we can gather that he listened and he watched more than he spoke, gathering all the events that transpired around him to record for all generations to come. Matthew is the gospel of the king. From chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, we have the genealogy of the king, the ancestry of the long-awaited Messiah, and then verses 18 to 25 tell us of the birth of the king. The family line that is traced here is through that of his foster father, Joseph. Now, this was not his bloodline, but it was his royal line, and it stemmed from Abraham to David. Certainly, anyone who claims to be a king should and would be asked for credentials to support his claim. So in anticipation of this, Matthew begins his account with an extensive background of this one Jesus Christ, who clearly claims to not only be the king of the Jews, but the king of you and me also, the king of kings. So Matthew's account is not only the royal account, but it is the legal account. Now the genealogy of Jesus Christ reads like the who's who of scriptural history. Such genealogical history is more than just important to the Jew of Christ's day. Such historical heritage placed every Jew in a tribe, and as often was the case, in a particular service to Jehovah. So what's amazing about this genealogy before us is the exceptionally rare mention of women in the family tree. Now in the case of Christ, not only women, but women of very questionable character are found in his family tree. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, they were sinners, foreigners, some of them prostitutes, all in the family line of our Savior. Why? Why could not God have chosen to assure that his son would come from a perfect family? He could have done so, but nothing in the life of Christ was happenstance. His ministry shouted the gospel of grace right from the beginning. You see, Jesus did not come from some sort of suburban white-collar family. He didn't have any connections. He came from a world that prepared him on an earthly, human level to relate to the hearts of sinful man. So we can gather that the appearance of women in his recorded family tree would then bolster the place of women in the grand scheme of the kingdom of God, as did the whole of his ministry while he walked upon this earth. We're going to begin in verse 16 of chapter 1 of the book of Matthew, where it says, Jacob became the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, from whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. 
So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And then from David to the exile to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the carrying away to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. You see, Matthew is careful to point out that while Joseph may be the husband of Mary, as well as our Lord's foster father, he was not the blood father of Christ. As John tells us in his gospel, Jesus was none other than God's only begotten son. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was like this. After his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So quietly, in a far unassuming corner of the world, after 400 years of silence, God speaks once again. And he does so now with the supernatural method of a virgin birth. Here we have one of the pinnacle and I would say foundational elements of biblical Christianity. It is an element that has been summarily debated, uh, naysay, debunked, trashed as archaic fundamentalism, accused of being a religious throwback to Quaker-like organ-playing, hymn-singing old ladies of church days gone by. Yet the word still stands and it's never changed. So this doctrine is not a negotiable doctrine. Either Jesus Christ is God's Son, deity embodied, or he's just a man. Maybe he'd be wise or knowledgeable or loving, but he would have been just a man. So whatever you decide to be truth on the issue of Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it will profoundly affect how you deal with the rest of the totality of Scripture, as well as the Christian perspective, as well as the Christian walk. The passage before us clearly states that Mary was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So Mary and Joseph herein are said to be betrothed. In the Jewish society, that would mean that the two of them had exchanged a type of vows already. This meant they were legally bound together in what was similar to our period of engagement. And it was for one year and it had many responsibilities. It had responsibilities that which is already found in marriage, but it had none of the sexual rights. Verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example, intended to put her away secretly. Now Matthew, almost knowing the arguments that would ensue over the next 2,000 years, would go on here to elaborate upon the virgin birth account. You see, for Mary to be pregnant, this would definitely bring upon her the highest of public shame. Such a situation was not only a disgrace in that society in that day, but it was one that was punishable by death. So no doubt Joseph was thinking some about himself also. If this situation was left unattended, he would naturally be blamed for Mary's pregnancy. So because he was a good man and evidently he was fond of Mary, he decided he would quietly divorce her from this betrothal union and that he would end the relationship prior to the day of their wedding. Verse 20 says, But when he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take yourself, Mary, as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You see, as Joseph was running all these things through his mind, God sent an angel to communicate the truth of what was before him. And that was the fact that Mary was carrying a supernatural child. Now, that's a fact that would almost seem to require an angelic delivery in order to be believed. Verse 21 says, She shall give birth to a son. You shall name him Jesus, for it is he who shall save his people from their sins. 
And while Jesus did some miraculous things during his earthly ministry, speaking prophetically and teaching with power, his primary purpose was coming to save his people from their sins. Now, not only from the guilt of their sins, but the power of their sins, the power of sin over their lives of those that would eventually receive him. Verse 22, now all this was happening that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord to the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. So now Matthew continues with this declaration of divine prophecy concerning the coming of this Messiah. It is a prophecy that was given some 700 years prior to Joseph's meeting with that angel. Verse 22 makes a simple but profound statement, and he says, that it might be fulfilled. For hundreds of years, you see, the words of Scripture had been recording the prophetic messages of the coming King and Savior. Verse 23 quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it fulfills it. So we must also make note that the word virgin here does not mean young maiden, as some Bibles will tell you. It is only used in the Old Testament in the context of the classic interpretation of what virgin means. It is clearly used in the same way uh, then as it is now. And this is crucial to our understanding because the wrong rendering of this word is going to affect the understanding of all that is going to follow straight on through to Revelation. Verse 24, Joseph arose from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took his wife to himself and didn't know her sexually until she had given birth to her firstborn son. He named him Jesus. So Joseph, being the good and faithful man that he was, he did as he was instructed. Now, that may seem like a given in this situation, but I'm afraid that many would not have responded the same way that Joseph did despite having an angelic visit. You see, Joseph followed through with the marriage and he did not sexually join himself with Mary until the child was born. They named him Jesus, meaning Jehovah is salvation. So in doing so, their obedience began a historic journey of what would be historic, epic proportions. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Pastor Tim and JF Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.